Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at ceiling decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 99. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Martin Sheen's presidential voice, Walter Goggin's hairline, and Pedro Pascal's strong, silent brilliance. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. Before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld level daily observation. Feeling good today. Feeling joyous. It's my dog's birthday. I have twin girl Newfoundlands named Teddy and Bear who are 100 pound monster dogs. And they are three years old today. It feels like they're a thousand now because it's been a stressful three years and they're getting groomed right now. They're going to look all pretty. They're going to smell nice for like 10 seconds and then the rest of the time they're going to smell like death until I get them groomed again in three months. And it's been it's been a chaotic three years. I mean, they chewed on everything. They would chew on the floor. They chew on the sideboards of the house. They chew on the doors. They destroyed two couches. And it wasn't malice. They were just they just like gnawing at stuff because they have these huge monster werewolf fangs. And it's been a chaotic couple years with them, like even taking them for walks because, you know, it's 200 pounds of dog and they're big and chesty and powerful and they don't understand how big they are. So I had to make a leash where it's a metal leash with two choke collars and the two choke collars are on one string. So the theory is that if they're not focused together, one will pull the other one towards me because they're not, you know, teaming up and going in the same direction. But if they see a squirrel or another dog, oh man, I have to strap in and it is a arm workout like no other. So maybe they're keeping me in shape. I mean, I'm definitely at full alert when I'm on a walk. I can't be casually wearing sandals. You know, my toes will rip off. So I'm always at full alert. I got a good grip strength. My forearm strength is good. And, you know, despite all the craziness of having them, it's been, it's been a joy for the most part. Like they're big, they're slobbery. They wrestle each other really violently. Like they, they they do these takedown moves that make the house thunder or they'll ram into walls. And I think it's almost, gonna, it's like the Kool-Aid guy, but in reverse, they're just going to slam the wall and just go out and be like, oh yeah. But uh, it's, it's good to have them. I'm really happy, especially during quarantine. It's been great. Or we're just buddies. We're just three roommates in a house. <laughs> so I really enjoyed their company. You know, they're slobbery, sweaty company. I've gotten really used. I can now have them lick my face for, a solid couple of minutes and I don't mind it. It's almost like Zen Buddhism. I kind of just zone out as they do it. So that's fun. But also I think it's gross if anyone else saw it, but we're in the house together and just look at my face. I don't care. <laughs> so also when it's their birthday today, that means tomorrow is drum roll. I can't do a good drum roll. Just, just imagine a drum roll in your, in your ears. My birthday is tomorrow and I'm going to be 35 years young. My God, where does it go? Like I can run for president now. And you know, it's funny. Everyone says life is short. And you know, when you have a birthday, you're like, oh man, where did the time go? My life's been so long. And I think it's because, you know, I work 25, 30 hours at a job I really like. And I don't really do anything I don't want to do. And I just watch a bunch of TV and movies. Like me and my mom, we can sit down and watch eight, 10 hours of movies and just enjoy ourselves. And you know, that's a great that's a great day for us. So it's like, my, I feel like I've lived 5,000 years. Like, I feel like I'm a wise old man. I feel like I'm Gandalf the Grey or Gandalf the White. You know, I feel, I feel elderly in how I've spent my time because it's kind of been all my time. And I don't know, just, I'm very appreciative of my life. But if I had to kick the bucket tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah, I had a good run. Like, I'd be really sad about it. But 
my existence has been great. You know, great family, great girlfriend, wonderful dogs. My house is cute and small and my bed's really comfy and I got great pillows and I like my Under Armour t-shirts and underwear. I don't know. I just like simple stuff. And so excited. Uh, Girlfriend's going to pick up Grange tomorrow, which is this restaurant in town. Shout out Grange. And first of all, they do a server discount. So anyone in the industry gets 20% off food and drinks. And the frugality in me just loves that. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. And I'm going to do a charcuterie board, which as a vegan or a former vegan is crazy, but they make their own like meats and it's like jowls and pate and stuff like that. So I'm like 90% vegan and 10% just carnivore. And I'm just going to enjoy it. And my girlfriend, Selena is going to pick it up and hand deliver it. Oh my God. I'm so excited. And speaking of Selena, she's a hunter and you know, she's kind of, she's kind of the reason that she's the inspiration of this next topic because the hunterness she taught anatomy at U of M She's dissected dead bodies for, you know, a job at some point in her life. She's just fascinated by the human body. She can recite crazy stuff about, she'll like talk about like shoulder muscles and sinew muscles or tendons. I don't understand half of it, but I'm fascinated by it. And she just loves the human body and loves analyzing it, loves talking about it, you know, and also, I mean, when it comes to deers and all deconstructing it and, you know, making it a meal and using every part of the Buffalo kind of thing. So a couple of weeks ago, it just snapped to me. I was like, I have to show her my favorite show of the last 10 years, which kind of relates to this kind of medical, factual-based, weird, gross, bloody kind of fascination she has. So I decided to show her The Nick, which was Steven Soderbergh's show from 2014 to 2015 on Cinemax. If you didn't see it, don't worry. It wasn't that popular. It was critically acclaimed and really enjoyed by a select few, but... I don't think it really hit the mainstream in the way it should have. And it's about, I mean, I, first of all, it's incredible. I mean, if it's my favorite show of the last 10 years and I watch crazy amounts of TV, then you know it's good. Or maybe I'm weird. I have mean, a little bit of both probably. But it's about a hospital in 1900 New York. And it's kind of just fascinated with how medicine was getting modernized during that time. There was experimental procedures. Electricity was just getting introduced. Uh, and like, the main character even says medicine has advanced more in the last five years than in the past 500. This was really kind of the explosion point of new technology and medicine and really prolonging life. Cause I think at the average age of death at that point was like 37 or 47, but in five years previous was 37. So it's from 1900 to now where we really get the last 30, 40 years as expected time as humans. So really cool how that started out. And I mean, and Oh my God, I'm, I'm, let me take a deep breath. <laughs> I'm just getting excited about it. So they, they're super factual about everything. And it's incredible the medical stuff that actually was practiced back then. I think it's how they're going to look 200 years from now at how we did stuff now, like chemotherapy. They're going to be like, wait, you killed all the cells? Like, why would you do that? That was stupid. It's like, yeah, we know, but we didn't have any better procedures. So back then the doctors were using cocaine, liquid cocaine, just as personal use stuff, you know, it, felt, it gave them creativity and great gave them, you know, energy to discover new procedures. There was opium dens that were pretty common. And it really, the show takes place through the eyes of John W. Thackeray, who's the chief of medicine at the Nick in 1900. Classic anti-hero, basically think Dr. House, but in 1900, basically. And played by the fantastic, handsome, debonair, Clive Owen, great mustache, you know, kind of this weird 1900s haircut. He's wearing these white, these baller white shoes. 
And I mean, if you don't know Clive Owen, Children of Men was one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's just a cataclysmic sci-fi future. What if we stopped being able to procreate? How would humanity react to that? Or Shoot Him Up is a really fun action movie. He's in with Paul Giamatti. That's just gratuitous violence. So he can do it all. And also he can be kind of a love debonair sleazeball and closer. So Clive Owen is one of the best combinations of good looking and also a great actor that I've seen. So I just love that he decided to do TV. It's like, you know, when Matthew McConaughey does True Detective, it's one like the big wig stars do TV. You pay attention. So when Clive Owen and Steven Soderbergh, who directed this, combined together my ears perked up i knew i was going to love it right away and it blew away all my expectations so it doesn't even just focus about the medicine though which is utterly fascinating i could have watched an entire couple seasons just about that but it was also about the business of running a hospital and kind of the corruption behind that what it takes to build it what who how people were making money in 1900 through shipping and through trade and how there were scams going on and you know it was how the mob was involved sometimes. And like I said, it's directed by Steven Soderbergh, who's the god of letting movie stars shine. You watch Ocean's 11, 12, 13, he just lets them go. Magic Mike, I mean, he lets Shannon Tatum. He just, he has this technique of kind of the camera over the shoulder uh, of all his stars. And he's kind of like sneakily, creepily fascinated at looking at the stars. He's like, you do you, I'm just going to be a fly on the wall, you know, behind you which is kind of ironic because nowadays he films his movies with iPhones. So it's like he can be even more of a fly on a wall with it because it's so compact. I just love that he's always pushing the envelope and trying new things. And like I said, he did the Oceans movies, which the star power in that is just, I don't think it's, I don't think anything's even come close in the last 40 years to having that loaded an all-star cast. And he handled it. Like he doesn't have that big an ego. He just is fascinated by people. He really changed kind of, auteur filmmaking with sex lies and videotapes in 1989 with james spader and kind of really opened sexual perversion as being kind of a and also depression and weird emotional stuff to be kind of commonplace in movies like uh, in uh hollywood movies out of sight is one of i mean i'm just listening to a few of his movies now that i love because I, I just got to shout out soderbergh because you have to understand how important he is as a director he's one of the kind of uh what is it was it called this out of the spike lee tarantino the kind of i mean basically the early 90s kind of version of the De Palma, spielberg scorsese and coppola group so he's in that group for the 90s he's he's made 35 movies uh and two tv shows or three tv shows i think during that time which is a crazy amount of movies during that time period i think most of his contemporaries have 12 to 15 so he just churns them out he just finds something he likes and goes with it like Out of Sight is just a Hollywood, watch George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez cook. I'll argue that scene in the bar where they're kind of hitting on each other is probably the most romantic movie star scene of all time. Contagion, which is a terrifying movie nowadays because it's accurate about how disease and disease control can happen. So it's like, hey, 2020, you know, take notes. Aaron Brockovich was his feel-good movie that brought, uh, that brought Julia Roberts her Oscar. The Limey is a small movie with Terrence Stamp as kind of a British revenge dad. That's really good. Just a small movie. Haywire, great action movie where everyone just beats the crap out of each other. Shout out Michael Fassbender and Gina Carlito or Carlino. The chick from the giant bulky chick from Mandalorian, her. And like I said, Magic Mike. So he's brilliant. He picks bizarre topics. He tries anything once and he's way overqualified for TV. And yet here we are. 
with him with a show that lasted for two years. He wanted it to be two years, and it's just perfect. It doesn't need to be a long, drawn-out, like, five, six seasons. Let's make as much money as we can. He got in, he got out. And the only thing I can think of that compares to it is House of Cards is the first season uh, when David Fincher really brought kind of a big name to television. Or maybe Kerry Fukunaga uh, with Maniac in the first season of True Detective. But he's not really as great a or well-known as a film director. So I think him and Fincher are really kind of alone in the great, great, great top level filmmakers that decided to do TV and did it right. So he does everything right up until the, the little details, even the music. It's this weird. So it's 1900. You think it'd be like classical violinists. It would be cellos. You know, you stick with the modern times. He says, screw it. No, we're going to do synth techno the entire time. Kind of like this 80s synth kind of Giorgio Moroder, uh, like synth guitar and piano kind of thing. And it works. It's creepy. It it shouldn't work, which makes it fun. You're, It's like, you know, you're watching a television show and he's just having fun kind of pumping you up with music that clearly didn't exist or technology that didn't exist at the time. Just, I don't know, it just works because otherwise the period piece of this movie is so accurate. It's crazy. Like the amount of, the amount of detail that he put on the medical staff, I guess he argued with people on Reddit when they said he was historically inaccurate. He's like, no, no, no. I got this from this book. I got that from that book. He's just a smart, well put together dude that always focuses on the details. Like the disease at the time, like typhoid, or there was experimental pr procedures with electricity. Like there's this one scene, I'll never forget this. There was this postpartum depression case where a mother lost her child during childbirth. And it's one of the doctor's wives. And she's kind of losing her mind a little bit. Obviously she lost a child. She's super depressed. So he takes her to kind of a, not a loony bin, but like what the psychologists were back then. And he leaves her there for a day and he comes back and he's like, hey, honey, how are you? And she smiles at him and all her teeth are gone. And he's like, dear God, what, what, what happened? And he talks to the psychologist and the psychologist says, oh, I mean, her depression was in her teeth. I mean, we, we're just glad we got it before it hit her colon. We would have had to remove that. And I was like, this can't be right. And I looked it up online. That is how they dealt with depression of this nature at that time. Like, can you imagine that? I mean, nowadays it's like you go see your wife and she's got no teeth and oh my God, the lawsuits. <laughs> but it just shows how little we know in the time and that we, you know, learn from our mistakes and slowly move on. I guarantee, like I said, 500 years from now, they're gonna be laughing at how we did things. And they show like the diseases in African tribes when there's a small visit when Dr. Thackeray goes to kind of cure tribal tribal people. Uh, they talk about drug addiction and, you know, drug addiction really didn't have a name back then. So it's kind of like they're just shaking and figuring things out. And they got, you know, track marks on their arms. And you're trying to they're trying to figure out what's wrong with them and why this drug is doing that to them without real evidence or scientific data to back it up. So it's fascinating. They're kind of just guessing in the dark what's wrong with them. And also it covers the racism issues of the time. There's a doctor on the show, Dr. Algeron Edwards, who is a very acclaimed French trained doctor who also went to Harvard, but you know he's treated as a second class citizen by Thack and other people. And it just shows kind of how far we've come in a long time and how far we still have to go. And I mean, all the details. So I love that it's just not, it could, they could have just focused on Thackeray and his kind of passion for creating new medical procedures. And I would have been like, I'm in. But they even go into details like how ambulances worked at the time. Basically, it was just tough guys and bouncers or like, you know, mob guys who would fight for, for, for dead bodies that they could, that the hospitals could experiment on 
or I mean, like if you got a call to pick someone up, another ambulance from non-hospital would come and whoever got the body, that ambulance driver would make money on that body. So they would literally fight with bats or fight fisticuffs in the streets to see who got the body. Crazy. So, I mean, the character Tom Cleary is this giant, burly ambulance driver who <laughs> basically is this tough Irish bearded dude that's going to beat anyone up who's trying to take his bodies. And he's going to do anything to like he's going to find where there's diseased bodies go in there and take them without the family's permission, just because who's going to, who are they going to tell at that point, you know, because <laughs> they're just immigrants. So, I mean, in 1900 New York, so they weren't really taken care of by anybody or they even talk about the church's role and like the nurses were a lot of the nurses were church-based and they talk about the faith uh, that they had or the secret abortion practices and how taboo and how brutal it was if you got caught doing it at the time and the big business and corruption of the hospitals. And it's just this mood. It's just this emotion. The high, the hospital is always buzzing. There's always new creations. It's two steps forward, one step back, or vice versa, three steps back, one step forward. They're just trying new things. It's like it's almost like Soderbergh is trying to try new things with the show as he's watching these people try and fail with the medical procedures. And he can relate to these people that are kind of pioneers in their field. And it's taking a toll on them at the time. And also it's got my favorite, one of my favorite top five favorite scenes in television of all time. Season two, episode, episode six, it's this episode called These Are Rules, 26 minutes, 49 seconds. Dr. Birdie, who's kind of Thak's protege, who left the hospital for a while, comes back and he tells Thak, you know, this is where I belong. And Thak, who's this hard-nosed kind of drug addict, curmudgeon, my way or the highway, get out of my way. He smiles knowingly, finally. I think it's the first time he's really like warmly smiled. You know, no teeth, that kind of just warm British smile. And he goes, I've always known that. And he embraces Birdie in a hug. I don't think he's hugged a single character on the show before this. And they embrace for a minute. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know, just father figure just uh, just emotions between friends. It's just brilliant. I watch that one minute, 15 seconds, once a month, you know, just to make me warm and fuzzy inside. And... Like I said, the show's a tight two seasons and it ends perfectly. I don't want to ruin how it ends if you haven't seen it. So, I mean, it ends brutally, but like honestly and perfectly. And it just, it's just, he just encapsulates it right with this two season run. It's just savage. It's beautiful. It's fascinating. It's, it's not afraid to make the characters dirty and, you know, kind of, irreprehensible in their decisions but also caring towards each other and there's character arcs and it just it fills every category of what i want to show and also just beautifully shot i could watch it on mute or i could just listen to the soundtrack so i mean that just shows how powerful it is on all levels and i don't like gross out medical shows for the most part either but this one is just done so well and so classic it's just, it's just fascinating and uh god i saw that i mean i wanted to ruin the end really badly but i'm not gonna do it I'm not going to do it. So this is this episode is spoiler free for anyone who hasn't watched the show. So Selena, my girlfriend, you can watch this or listen to this and you won't get anything ruined. So you're welcome. And it's, it's good. I mean, you want people to listen to this and be excited about the show. So maybe you were curious about the Nick and you're like, oh, well, let me hear someone's review of it and someone's take on it. And now because I read movie reviews sometimes before uh, before I watch the movies to get excited about it. So here's your little, you know, exciting a moose bouche taste and flavors of the Nick. So please watch it and then talk to me about it because I love it and I love you. Later.